Welcome to episode 70 of the Horror Dads podcast. This is Jamie with my buddy John, and today we're going to talk about some of our uh, favorite and least favorite uh, uh, Rob yeah. Zombie movies today, right, John? All things Rob Zombie today, yes. I have been uh, zombified. I uh, have been listening to his music, which not a big fan of. My wife was like, what's going on in here? Yeah, I mean... I have to get in the uh, zombie universe. We figured with the monsters coming out, this would be very relevant to to do. So we're going to touch on it. Very polarizing figure, as Jamie mentioned. So we're going to dive headfirst in and just we're going to do this. So we're going to talk about uh, all seven of his, his seven full feature films. Yeah. Right? So we're going to rank them one to seven, uh, favorite to least favorite. And then we're going to talk about each respective film in detail. So we'll that's just give our thoughts, whatever. Yeah, that's that's going to be our our theme here. But if you're a if you're new to the show, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Thank you for uh, welcome in. Yeah, joining the horror dads here. So we like to talk about all things horror, but all things family as well, and just uh, horror arts and kind of the horror lifestyle while being dads. So yeah, part of that is catching up, man. So what do we what have you been watching? Well, I uh, I've been actually Tubi. So when I was watching a lot of these Rob Zombie movies, they were on Tubi. Um, and then one day it was like, I oh, feel like been- there really were like Tubi, yeah. heavy Tubi. So the one day my uh, like Tubi thing was like, you've been watching a lot of Rob Zombie. Uh, what else can we recommend you? <laughs> and it was a lot of stuff like the collection, which I watched, uh, which is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but the one thing in particular was Freddy's Nightmares. Oh, the, the show. Television series. Yeah, yeah. the show. Um. So I, I, I don't know that I ever really watched that, uh, because it came out when I was younger and it hasn't been streaming on anything. I don't believe until now. Um, I clearly was not allowed to watch that when I was eight years old. Uh, but dude, it is uh, not, it's not very good, but it's like, you'll love it. You know what I mean? Um, and then I just watched Prey today, the new one, the new, uh, Predator movie that just came out. What'd you think of that? Oh dude. So I actually really... So I went to Hulu, right? Yeah, it's brand new. Just came out Friday on Hulu. Uh, So they have all the previous Predator films out as well on Hulu. So I kind of ran through the ones that I hadn't. I I don't know that I've ever seen Alien vs. Predator in full. Yeah, I've seen bits and pieces. That came out like same same timeline as like Freddy vs. Jason, and they were like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna take every mecha Uh, and pit it up against the other mecha," you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then I watched Alien vs. Predator Requiem, um, and then I just... Oh, Predators as well, which I had missed. The one with Adrian Brody. Yeah, I feel like you, you were telling me today, you're like, so in Predators, and I was like, oh, you're talking about Predator? You're like, no, Predators, yeah. plural. 2010. Uh, I was like, dude, what? How, how much Predator have you been dude, watching? I just like, was submersed in the universe, and um, I was worried at, at that point that maybe I was already like predator out. Yeah. Um, but no, Prey was fucking great. I, I love Westerns, so I love the, the vibe. um, yeah, just the, the mountainous like terrain and the views and the score is fucking amazing. Yeah. It's worth checking out if you're, uh, into that universe at all. Yeah, for sure. Very good. Yeah. And I got to check out, uh, some of Freddy's nightmare. So I, I have the Friday the 13th, uh, the TV show compilation that your wife actually bought me. For my birthday several years back. Yes. Yeah. And I've spent quite a bit of time with those. 
and I kind of felt like my allegiance and, you know, franchise wise, we've talked about this on the show too. Like I'm more of a Friday 13th guy than I am a nightmare on Elm street guy. Yeah. I love both franchises. Uh, but like Freddie's actual presence is more present, I guess. And, this show, right? Because he's kind of the crypt keeper. Way sort of narrator. Present, yeah. I don't know if it continued on through all the seasons, but at least this first season, he makes an appearance yeah. in every. Now, I noticed that there's a lot of shadows. So I don't know if they did full makeup. Like, he's definitely in his makeup, <laughs> but I wonder if they kind of like, hey, skimmed. Um, Spobbert you know? Bingland? Yeah. <laughs> Let's get you in here for it's, a couple. Yeah. It's definitely him, too, which yeah. is amazing. Which, think if you think about that, that's like a huge investment. And Dude, big time. You're like, look. He was probably still in the studio's like uh, yeah. clock at that point, you know. Like we still own you, bud. Hey, uh, before you get out of makeup, I know yeah. we just uh, <laughs> exactly. finished uh, finished doing uh, part five. Pop but, in the uh, studio, see yeah, real quick. We're gonna, we're gonna some, uh, some intro work. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I have been actually watching. Speaking of your wife, who's my sister, the television show of Buffy, like really hard. I went through the whole first season. And uh, just reacclimating, like I, I forgot how important that show was to me growing up. Yeah, and I know we we talked about it a bunch on the show, but like rewatching it, the music, like it's chronically like alt punk hybrid band, like up and coming bands, and they do that thing where it's like, you know, they sold them on it. They're like, all right, we're gonna give you fifty dollars each, but you're gonna be on Buffy. For sure. And you're going to have a 45 second spot where like your band's going to be highlighted. Like it's always a prominent thing of each show. Yep. And the, the intro song, like the, even that like has that power chords. Like, yeah, totally. Uh, there's like a, a, a pick slide. Like it's part of the intro Meow. song. Yeah. yeah. I just, man, I love that show. It's so important to me and I can't, explain how much I love Sarah Michelle Gellar. This isn't me being a weirdo. Like I just love her. I was out to dinner with my wife this weekend and I, I had a serious conversation with her. I was like, just so you know, like you are the one for me other than Sarah Michelle Gellar. So like if she came tonight and said, Hey, me or her, like I probably would pick her, but I love my wife to the end of the earth, but I also love Sarah Michelle Gellar. This had to make for an uh, awkward dinner convo. Yeah. I had a Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Ooh, nice. Almost ended up on my face. When she All right, so Buffy, my wife's me. also been submersed in this. What yeah. else? Uh, I mean, that's so. I mean, that watching yeah. watching these Rob Zombie movies, like I, because yep. I'm not. As, you and I are not notoriously like. We'll if, get into if that. If you've listened to the show, we're not huge Rob Zombie fans. Yeah. So I really I wanted to do credit where it was due and like actually take the time to sit down and watch through each one undistracted. So yep. yeah, it was yeah. a bit of a commitment. It was good. Good though. All right. So, um, you've been buying anything. What's good? next? Yeah. yeah. So actually, no, I, well, I got a new computer. Uh, so oh that's, yeah. You that's did. my big purchase. Um, and then I bought some frames that Michael's had like a buy one, get one on some frames that I really needed. Would you frame up 18 by 24s? I got my ghoulish Gary, my bloody Valentine, print up it's the one that i bought at living dead weekend i finally got it up and it looks just so amazing uh and then i finally got the camp crystal lake by matt pepler the 18 by 24 like <laughs> off-white paper so just quick quick side story on this if you don't mind me sharing <laughs> jamie and i went and saw it was the wrong tube ari Lehman, who was the kid he, he played the kid version of jason in the original friday 13th he jumps out of the water 
So he's in a band called First Jason. What uh, else would it be called? Yeah. And like song titles include like wear the mask, do the task. Like it's very Jason centric, yeah. right? As it should be. So he's doing this thing though. And he comes to this bowling alley in Youngstown, Ohio. This was, I don't know, like last winter, I guess. Yeah. And we were there with our friend Kevin Esposito. <laughs> and Jamie, Kevin and I go and he's doing an autograph signing as well. So I brought my other Matt Pepler Friday the 13th print that I had him sign. And I walked up to have him sign my print. And I was like really excited to share this experience with Jamie. And I turned around and Jamie was just fucking gone. And I was like, man, like, cause he, Jamie brought also a tube of what he thought was his Friday the 13th print to have Ari sign. And turns out it was a print for the movie. Halloween. Halloween. So it's a big hat. Like it's the Haddonfield poster. <laughs> Uh, our friend Kevin said, I will pay for your autograph if you take that Halloween poster up and don't acknowledge the fact that it's Halloween and ask him to sign it, which Jamie did not do. So uh, it would have been hilarious. It brings me joy to think of I'm because it was that. so funny. Yeah. Uh, so How about you, buddy. You yeah. In terms buying? of purchases. Yeah. I got our buddy Gabe Reasoner, who was on the show a couple episodes ago, his band Careful Gaze released uh, some they did some cassettes so they were going to do vinyls but they did actually like a run of cassettes so I bought one of those I actually have it right here in my hand nice it looks great and it's uh it's actually yellow which is really cool it does look great it feels amazing so and I found an actual tape player in my house which is sitting behind me which has been really cool to actually have I also went to a market I, I mentioned being at dinner with my wife this weekend we went to this thing called the night market uh, a couple of towns over they had like this whole like alleyway of like all these different artisans uh, selling their wares and it was amazing so our buddy julie emmerich had a, a shop or like a little stand there and she was selling prints so snag some prints from her she does some spooky related stuff which nice. is amazing and then i also like you go to those things and I feel compelled to just like go shop and buy because I know that these yeah. are indie artists and it's like, hey, this is like probably your living or something you're trying to make your living. So the least I could do is like buy a, you know, a $10 item, right? Like best case, they already have a full-time job. They're taking 10 hours out of their day yeah. to do this too, you know? So it's like you want to help them out. and So in most times... You know, I go there and I look for spooky stuff. And sometimes you're like, oh, cool, a pumpkin or a ghost. And like, yeah, that's that's up my alley. I'll do this. Yeah. However, there was another artist there whose name is uh, Jenna Lee Dawn. And she's local. And all of her stuff was very, very horror centric. So I actually bought Jamie a print from there for uh, and she does these like really intense, like actual paintings that she then converts into uh, prints. And I snagged Jamie a... Oh, and they're amazing. It's like uh, almost like a paint palette. Just yeah. like as the character she's painting, it's really fucking cool. Yeah, so it's it's not illustration. It's it's painting. Yeah. And it's not like that like realistic style. It's almost the more like sort of chaotic kind of feel. And it's, yeah. it's really, it's beautiful. So I, I, I grabbed Jamie Sam from Trick or Treat. And I also picked up a Jason Voorhees print, which I gave to our buddy Larry. That lives across the street from, from Jamie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. That was great. Love that print. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, so that's what uh, nice. What I've been picking up. What, what's been going on with the family? Anything fun on your end? Uh, so, yeah, it's just been a lot of running around. 
uh, with the neighbors. And speaking of that, the neighbor kids across the street, so they're about like nine to 11, I think is their like age range. Mm -hmm. And they've been getting into the boys over there have been getting into horror. So they've been, every time I go over there, they're asking me, you know, recommendations or telling me what they've been watching. Uh, it's kind of cool to hear their evolution through different horror films. You know, they've been watching the Nightmare on Elm Streets. And, you know, when I ask them, they kind of give me the rundown and pretty cool. I guess they're, uh, they're starting their horror journey at a perfect age. I think, I think like that nine, that like 10, 11 age is perfect. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. So I took my kids to Bath and Body Works actually. Uh, so I, I think it was July 18th. How was, fun. Well, I mean, it actually is. So yeah. my wife was out of town. She was in Chicago for the weekend. So the kid, well, I was like, all right, I got to find something to do with the kids for the weekend. Yeah. So it's just the three of us. So I took them to Bath and Body Works and it was the weekend of like when they released all the fall line of stuff. So we went there and we bought a bunch of candles and uh, wallflowers and hand sanitizers and pumpkin themed and flavored everything. Right. And we drove out of there and the new spirit Halloween's like being constructed across the street. So yeah, everyone's like super in the mood. So we came home and the kids were like, Hey, can we start to decorate for Halloween? And I was like, okay, just like a couple like mom will kill me in front of you both. If we overdo this, like you can each get like two items. So your kids ended up coming over that night. I remember and they stayed over and I remember waking up the next morning and it was like really quiet. Typically first thing in the morning is they come into my room and wake me up. However, that morning was not the case. And I just, I was like, it's too quiet. And I went in and it was like, everything was <laughs> decked out Halloween. And yeah. uh, then my wife came home and undecorated a good bit of it. <laughs> However, there's still some up, so it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you, the goal is only to have a couple up anyways. You achieve that yeah. goal, you're good to go. Yeah. What are you wearing over there, man? Oh, so today I just have one of these, similar to like what you said. I think my wife just bought this off Etsy or something. We don't remember who made it, but yep. it's my, you know, essentially headless horseman tank top. It's fucking muggy out tonight, today, this weekend. Dude, it's we are in the thick of summer. <laughs> I feel like this is just like what living in Mississippi would feel like on a daily basis yeah. year round, just yeah. like muggy and sweaty. That's a great tank. I have on my uh, Stranger Things L t-shirt. It's gray. It's from Toxic Coffin. She's got a bloody nose on it and it's great. And I love that. And I love this show. And speaking of Stranger Things, uh, we do want to plug that we do have a Patreon that's live. You can join. We've got a $5 tier and a $10 tier. If you're interested, uh, we actually just did an episode with our kids on stranger things, which is why I bring this up, which was a ton of fun. So my oldest Finley and Jamie's oldest Ryland joined us for an episode and they were super pumped about it. And it's a ton of fun, but we have the other content on there. We do monthly watch throughs. We do, uh, never seen it uh, episodes where we cover shows we've never seen before. We do monthly watch throughs. So there's a bunch of bonus content on there. Yeah, it's fun. Do we have new patrons? We do. We've got two new patrons. So Who do we got, we have uh Larry. Uh, I'm going to butcher his last name. Is it Yanadi? Dude. I like, I, I don't even want to say it. Well, now I did. So hopefully that's it. Yeah. 
So Larry, we're running with it. Yeah, Larry is your neighbor, right, Jamie? Yeah, the we talked about on the uh, Gabe episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, thanks for joining, Larry. Larry's one of the few uh, where typically when the patrons join, we have to give them like a virtual uh, handshake or high five, and uh, he was one of the, you know, few that I could reach out to right away and shake his hand and say thanks for joining. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, I gave him a hug yesterday. So. Thank you, Larry. We appreciate you, man. It's been awesome getting to know you and hanging out with you. And we also have Scott Mitchell. So, Scott, thank you for joining Patreon, Scott, man. Thank you so much, bud. We see you jumping in on Discord and being part of the uh, Horror Dads family. So it's awesome to see your your contributions and hear what you have to say. So thank you so much, man. We really appreciate you joining the, sh- uh, the, the Patreon. So Yeah. So real quick, before we get rolling to Rob, let's hit some uh, horror news real quick. Uh, I saw that uh they them yeah getting pretty bad reviews yeah i haven't seen it yet but i i've seen it's uh there's some a little bit of contention around it i feel like i don't want to see it now i i do think that like obviously the subject matter is i was gonna say with the subject matter being yeah. a little volatile i i feel like the people the loudest people in the room are going to be the ones that are opposed to it even before they see it based off the title yeah so i i'm i'm we'll down see. to check it out yeah. and give it a shot so uh, so Insidious Five. Patrick oh yeah, Patrick Wilson, Wilson's directing. Starring, it, yeah. Directing Rose Byrne is back. Uh, so that's gonna be good. And uh, what else? Oh, I just saw that uh, Stranger Things season four, the Funkos are coming out. So if you're a Funko guy or girl, uh, go check those out because you'll probably dig them. And I think that's it, man. Uh, we also had an unfortunate passing, right? Oh, we did. Yeah. Uh, Clue. Bert. Clue Gulliger, who the he was the dad in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, yeah, as well as uh, Bert from Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, I mean, just great character actor, and yeah, seemed like an all around good dude. I know Mark Patton, who uh, starred in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, had a lot of kind words to say about him. So uh, sad to see that was the case, but he lived to ninety three, so and he yeah. had a great life and made a great impact on the horror community and the arts community at large. Yeah, for sure. Tough uh, loss. Yeah, dude, very tough loss. So before we jump into the episode here, uh, I just also want to mention we do have a, a web store, horrordads.com. Feel free to jump on there if you want to get a t-shirt or a tank top or a koozie or other Horror Dads merch. Uh, there's a good bit on there, so feel free to head over there and check it out. And if you do like the show, we would really appreciate um, you taking the time to leave a five-star review either on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. It's typically a rating platform. Review with some comments would go a long way for us, and we'd really appreciate it. That being said, let's get at it. All right, so Jamie's now going to sing Dracula for us (laughs) to get us started. All right, get so us in the mood. Do we just want to like skim through our list real quick? I, it's kind of anticlimactic if we do it that way. We don't want to piss anyone off uh, out of the realm. To, but do you want to talk about the movies chronological and then give our top ten? Do you want because it's going to be hard not to mention where it ranks, or should we give our ranking now I and think, then go through? Yeah, I think we just give our ranking now, and then as we talk about each film, we'll reinforce the number we ranked it. And yeah, why. yeah, cool. Does that work. All right. So he started off. Uh, his band White Zombie formed in 85. Uh, they became, 
you know, underground successful. Uh, he started doing the music videos for White Zombie, moved on to doing videos for his own project, Rob Zombie. And then uh, I know he did some videos for like Ozzy Osbourne and uh, Black Label Society. From there, made his first feature film in 2003, which is House of a Thousand Corpses, and the rest is history. Uh, you love him, you hate him, you might fall somewhere in between. Uh, he's pretty polarizing in the horror world. Um, I would say I fall on the spectrum of somewhere in between, but leaning more like a 7 out of 10, like on my uh, Rob Zombie meter. Uh, yeah. I think that this watch through just kind of reinforce how I feel like I don't love everything, but I don't hate really anything. So, yeah, uh, polarizing is a good way to describe it. And I do think I feel like for me on the whole, anyone that loves horror to this extent, like for me, it's like, okay, like that person has a mind kind of like mine. So like right out of the get, he, you know, he grew up in Massachusetts. He's an East coast dude, his music projects, his film projects, like everything is horror inspired. Um, you know, his first band being white zombie, right? Like, and their, their albums were called things like, uh, uh, soul crusher, make them die slowly. So it was like all in always references and whatnot. Um, and the name, you know, obviously come from the Bella Lugosi flick. So, right. And he's, did you know his brother is a singer for Power Man 5000? I did not know that. Isn't that like insane? It makes perfect sense though. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's got a brother, Michael, Michael David, I believe. And then uh, Rob, I I think their last name is actually Cummings. I was kind of bummed out to find it wasn't actually zombie, but I guess what are the odds of that actually being the case, you know? I, uh, I found that some of his previous jobs he worked as a uh, production assistant on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah, dude, I saw that. That's yeah. insane. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, he was a bike messenger at one point, which he said <laughs> was one of the worst jobs he ever did. And uh, he was also a graphic designer for a porno magazine. You know, he composed the uh, the score for the video game Twisted Metal 3. No. Yeah. Like, talk about, like, again, someone that cares about... So he was the the, the dude that cared so much about like a niche specific aspect of art and cinema that he was like, I want to make this exactly what I want from it, which is my, like what I love about this stuff. So like, again, love him or hate him. He, he made his world his own 100% and has continued to do so, which is cool. Yeah. I think we can both agree that, um, again, love or hate you notice right away, you know, you're in a Rob zombie universe, yeah. a Rob zombie film. He has his own touch. Uh, he's a great director, in my opinion. And uh, he may live in a world or a bubble that we aren't always comfortable with. Uh, you and me, particularly as viewers. Um, and I feel like a lot of people probably feel that way. But there are also that population of people that love that fucking universe and love that world. Um, again, I fall somewhere in between. But I, I respect both sides of that. Yeah. And just to be completely honest. Jamie was really the one that uh, proposed doing this episode. And I was like, I don't really want to do that. And he was like, no, listen, that we, we should. And we have to give it the time of day. And I'm glad I went back and watched through these movies because I, I think I fall on the lesser end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Just being totally honest. I was like, you know, these movies really like they're good in their own way. It's just not my thing. I feel like the areas he pulls reference from, like, I feel like one of his favorite films is Texas Chainsaw in 
yeah. we're going to talk about how multiple films I think are very much inspired by that for him. And that movie for me, like, you know, it's not one of my favorites yeah. by any means. And a lot of the grindhouse exploitation stuff, not, not really in our repertoire. Jamie and I typically air toward the more fun loving, lighthearted eighties kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes when it's like you're watching high tension and people's I'm sweating. Heads are sawed off yeah. and there's like sexual activity happening with corpses. It's like, oh God, I not, I just I did this uh did this rewatching these move the needle for you at all or it did on a specifically on a couple films. Cool. Um, so I'm kinda excited nice. to talk about them. But all right, so you ready to rank then? We'll yeah. do our rankings and then uh, we'll just jump into a brief discussion about each film. Um I'm gonna go uh from seven to one. So, so least worst favorite to, to first. favorite. Okay. Yep. So last on my list is Three from Hell. Uh number six, I have Devil's Rejects. Number five, I have Halloween two. Number four, I have thirty one. Uh, number three, I have Halloween number two house of a thousand corpses. And then number one, Lords of Salem. All right. We had some duplicates. I think we had three of the seven. I feel like my list is absolutely not what I, uh, thought it was going to be. I thought Devil's Rejects would sit higher. Um, I thought Halloween would be number one for me. Yeah. And it's not. And I thought Halloween two was going to be dead last for me. And it, uh, it, yep. Yeah. Number five. Yeah. All right, so my list is number seven, three from hell. So I'm with you on that. Number six is 31. Yep. Number five, Halloween 2. So I'm with you there. Number four, House of a Thousand Corpses. Number three, Devil's Rejects. Number two, Halloween. Number one, Lords of Salem. Nice. So we doubled up on one, five, and seven. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. I've got a lot of thoughts on a lot of this. So let's let's chronologically maybe go through every single film and kind of talk about why it ranked, where it ranked for us. Yeah. So first up is House of a Thousand Corpses. Howdy, folks. You like blood, violence, freaks of nature? On a stormy Halloween night, four young people set out across the back roads of America. What's that? It's a hitchhiker. What, should we stop? We can't leave right here in the rain. In search of a mysterious figure known only as Dr. Satan. Do you know anything about the legend of Dr. Satan? Yeah, I can show you. 2003. Yes. First film. He yep. hates this film, by the way. He does? He's, he's not proud of it at all. Huh. It's, you know, it's like your first out, first song you ever wrote, right? Yeah. Uh, you go back and you just, all you can do is notice all the inconsistencies and flaws. Yeah. And they're there, they're apparent. This one definitely, you know, it's about two young couples traveling across the backwoods of Texas, searching for urban legends of, of, of murder. And they end up as prisoners in this like really sadistic, fucked up backwater family of all serial killers pretty much. So Sid Haig's in this, Karen Black's in this, Bill Mosley's in this, and Sherry Moon Zombie is in everything, right? Yeah, one of the things I really love about Rob Zombie is like like a lot of directors that I love, uh, they have recurring actors uh, that make you know 
various appearances in multiple films. And I love that. I love, uh, you know, the, the cross referencing and it's cool. Oh yeah. I mean, he, he definitely does this all throughout everything. Yeah. So this movie for you was what? Number two. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And for me, it was number four. So let's, let's talk through this. What are your thoughts on this movie? Uh, so this was just one of those movies that when I saw it, I remember like as it ended, I was like, that is the most fucked up thing I've ever seen. You know? Um, yeah. I don't think I had seen the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre yet at that point in my life. So this was that for me, you know, that like abhorrence. And, uh, but now as I've watched it through the years, it's game. It's like gained a real charm for me. Uh, it's a Halloween staple. I have to watch it every Halloween at least once. Uh, so it's got that, you know, hook for me. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just like, I'm a big fan of the characters. Just not that I like them, but I like the effect that they all have. Yeah. Uh, the family just in general, the fire five, the firefly family, the clan, the introduction to them is just like, man, everybody is so fucked up. Uh, Sherry moon zombie actually says at one point because she plays a uh, baby firefly and, uh, she says, we like to get fucked up and do fucked up shit. Yeah. And it's like, that is just the perfect like tagline for that fucking family. And I think Ugh. that whoever, I don't know if it's Otis or whoever is with her. They're like, yeah, that's fucking exactly it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Re- yep. Like super hard. You goddamn right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, man, I, I feel definite the opening sequence here in the little shop and you've got Sid Haig's character in full garb. Yeah, the truck stop. Yeah, and the truck stop sort of deal going on. The The whole Texas Chainsaw element of this is very, very present. And it's the, you know, the roaming traveler that happens upon the wrong sort of scenario and again, like the family's just like really in a bad spot. So I think there are nuances that I feel like make this not a total ripoff of Texas Chainsaw. Because I feel like he introduces other elements of witchery and some other strange shit that's happening. But uh, yeah, I feel like for me, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not one of my favorite films. And this being a cover band of that of that film yeah not it's more palatable in my opinion it is a little more simplified but you know i i'm not sure i'm i'm not really crazy about either of those movies so well the what makes this one uh a little better for me is the protagonists you know like yeah. the the Dwight hey. Trout and yeah uh, whatever that dude's name is uh, i should know his name chris hardwick i think it is um they're way more likable you know, than fucking Franklin, you know? So yeah, there's that. I agree with that, but I don't know the the issues I have with this movie are, I, I kind of feel like this is probably part of what Rob might not like totally about it, but I feel like there's almost an over anxious introduction of too many themes yeah, that they kind of vibrate against one another. So you get your, and that's what I love about movies like The Mutilator, right? Because it's such a streamlined, simplified, in its one singular element. It's like, okay, hey, we've got like, a, it's legitimately a slasher film about these college kids that are happening upon this 
bad situation and they're getting right. picked off one by one. Whereas this definitely has more complexity to it, but I also feel like it's taking on a whole lot. So it's not doing any one specific thing super hard or super well. Uh, but, you know, I think it, it gets its point across. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it was a fun homage to everything that he loved. Uh, and again, I know that he uh, doesn't reflect on this one, you know, favorably, Fondly. but... Does he say why? Like what his issue? He just notices all the flaws and, you know, um, I think also there's probably a lot of stuff. I think that they wanted to do a lot more with Dr. Satan. Uh, They had like, they built like this. He was saying how like for him at that time, it was like they were just throwing money at him. Like I think his budget was around seven mil on this one. So that he said it would just felt like ridiculous because they're just like throwing this money around and like, uh, do we want to build a $3 million set for Dr. Satan? Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) That's crazy to think like your first film, you know what I mean? Yeah. Seven million bucks. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I, I think that this one is, uh, I honestly, for a first like debut feature film, I thought this movie was, uh, well, well served. I don't know what else to say. I feel like it was really good. Um, yeah. he had to cut this movie. He had to cut about 40 minutes out to get it to rated R. Really? C seventeen, yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. I'm yeah, it's pretty gruesome. <laughs> also, uh the last fact I have about this movie is that the house, the Firefly house, was the same house used in uh the best little horror house in Texas, and it's in the Universal Studios back lot. So really? it's not out in the country. It it straight up feels yeah, it really that's does. a testament. Yeah, I, I think the thing I do like most about this movie is the environment. It does feel like a very important thing to watch around fall time. Dude, yeah. Because it's I, like Halloween night, right? Because they're talking about like she was trying to make it to her dad's house before yep. trick-or-treating. Yeah. yeah. I feel like he serves that pretty well in most of his films uh, that he's doing, you know, the Halloween thing for. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. So the next one, we go right to The Devil's Rejects from yes. 2005. What police have uncovered reads like this. Words can't describe it. We here, we are playing on a level that most will never see. You're gonna start the killing. You best start it right here. So this movie, apparently he did not want to make this movie. Uh, the studio was just like, please. You know, the House of a Thousand Corpses was so fucking popular. Pretty yeah. popular at the time. For, I mean, it made $12 million Yeah. And it um, cost seven. So, that's so they a, said, you know, it was a success. Let's, let's make another one. He was against it because of all the flaws from the first one. Uh, so with the money they gave him, he was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll just make the movie I want to make. Uh, he kind of picked the characters that he enjoyed from the first one. Uh, and then he just kind of made his movie, what he wanted to make, which was a kind of a fucked up road movie. Yeah, dude. So this one definitely for me, I, I enjoyed this one more than house of a thousand corpses. So this, this ranked for me number three and this ranked for you, what number six, six. Yeah. Yeah. Which I feel like people probably, probably be pissed about that, that placing, 
uh, probably think it's too low, but I just, I don't know. I just, uh, I hate those fucking fireflies, you know, like I told you this before. I know that they're supposed to be anti-heroes, but I just like, I can't root for them. They're so fucked up and depraved. Yeah. So this, this one for me, this is this, you know, the sequel to house of a thousand corpses. So the fireflies are back and you've got the murderous backwards, uh, firefly family that they, they kind of go on the road to escape, uh, Sheriff Wydell, who's like come in with a fucking vengeance with a vengeance. And he's not afraid of being as ruthless as his targets. So that's sort of the whole thing. So Sid Haig's back, Sherry Moon Zombie's back, Bill Mosley's back. Uh, Sheriff Wydell, I mean, that guy acts the absolute hell out of out of this role. Uh, William Forsyth, he does an amazing Man, job. Does he? Rob does a good job here of like making the so back to his like anti hero thing here. The guy that is supposed to be the good guy fucking sucks too. So it's like you're not yep. really rooting for that guy because you, don't, he's a you prick. don't know who you're rooting for. Yeah. And then you've got I'm rooting uh, for Ken Foray. I was gonna say you've got I'm Ken Foray's for. character in this too. Who's <laughs> I love ridiculous. Him. But yeah, the the whole opening sequence of this film is very, very much Texas Chainsaw. Mm. Uh it's you know, you've got your showdown happening and and it exposes almost a, a more complex because in the first film you're like, man, this is really fucked up and this whole family is kind of messed up, but it the the opening scene from this movie is almost like watching Jason Voorhees like floss in the morning because it's like them sleeping in their beds oh, yeah. and like yeah. it's the whole family in their like very disgusting environment, right? And oh my god, and disgusting it is. That's just one way to put it. Get right? someone in there, get a maid. <laughs> but uh, so the the sheriff's department like descends upon this this compound and there's this showdown and bullets are flying and you've got like the sheriff department with other their vests and their weapons and then you have the firefly clan and they have like these homemade uh vests and like kevlar and all this weird sh- like pots and pans they're fighting with it's like it, Dude. it's very very intense they but were doing some real welding out in the garage seriously for those fucking very serious welding suits but, of armor I, I will say what I enjoyed more about this movie is it's more streamlined to to the reason that I had some issue with House of a Thousand Corpses. I feel like he kind of got it right here with what you were saying. He wanted to he made the movie he wanted to make. Yeah. So his point was very clear, is very focused, is very to the point. I felt like uh, the film storyline was very clear, very focused, very to the point, and. I feel like he just really, really did that. And he's got these characters that are really fucked up. They go to this motel and they're just like toying with people. And it's just super fun for them as these disgusting antiheroes, these antagonists uh, that are taking this roving uh, blues country foursome act. This folk band. And that scene where Sherry Moon Zombie's like, I'm going to go get us a room. And she like walks up and she's like flirting with that guy. And he's like, yeah, say that to me again. And that whole thing happens and they just, I hate it. Literally you're in the wrong place at the wrong time for that. That's that feels like the beginning of uh from dusk till dawn almost, you know, that <laughs> Dude, like exactly super fucking hot, muggy, disgusting, just like really yeah. bad all around. And they had to include uh, that. 
that whole motel sequence is imperative uh, for you to kind of get a better understanding of the fireflies and just how sick and depraved. Not that you needed more proof of this, uh, but it's just kind of a reminder because you've been a couple years removed from maybe seeing uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. But dude, so just psychopathic and fucked up. Yeah. And that's why I hate. Yeah. I hate it. I hate all that gun down the panties and all that shit. Stuff like that is so, uh, oh, God damn. Yeah, a typical indicator, was part of why Rob Zombie's tough for Jamie and I, but a typical indicator for us is like any like rape or sexually motivated scene is really difficult for us to manage the yeah. viewing of. So, uh, yeah. But, you know, he based the Firefly family loosely on the Manson family, so... A lot of it makes sense. Uh, there's a line that I guess one of the one of the lieutenants from the Manson family um, murdered somebody, but before he did so, uh, he said, "I am the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's work." That's what uh, Otis says to somebody. So he kind of fit that in there. Yeah, I think that was during the the scene where Otis is taking the two dudes out to. Uh, dig, dig up the guns or whatever. Yeah, essentially dig their own grave. God, that whole scene. And this, again, much like Michael Myers being the quintessence of evil and not never dying, like that's what this movie is, right? It's, it's this family of exactly. actually pure evil. They say they come from hell and they're here to do the devil's work. And that's straight up what they do. And they're pretty much impenetrable, right? Like time and time again, they evade death. Yeah. By just happenstance. So real quick, I know that we said we were going to do these in chronological order, but should we just kick to three from hell since we're on this? I think we still go chronology and I have a a reason for that. All right. Also, before we leave this movie, Tiny. Yeah. What the fuck? Where did he even come from? And like, they just allude to him walking around the forest like Victor Crowley in the beginning. And then he comes in and saves the day at the end. And then he's not in anything else ever. So he died. I think it was as soon as this movie like was released, he died. That guy. Yeah. Oh, the shit. guy that played tiny Matthew McGregory. I think that's why he actually passed away. I oh, think it was August 8th, 2005. So we're like right at his like anniversary of his death. So rest in peace to him. But the, yeah, that would be why, why you get no more tiny storyline. Got it. But the, I feel like that wasn't very well explained. However, uh, I thought the way this one very was weird. shot, the the confidence in this film was much more present than House of a Thousand Corpses. I I feel like this was just a much more uh, a much cleaner version. You know, Evil Dead Two after Evil Dead One. That's kind of how this felt to me. Of like, hey, I I have my same characters. I have the same point I want to get get across. Um, now I've got not only the confidence, but some more budget to do that. So yeah, so why not? So that's that's why this ranks so high for me. Uh, so for me, the ending of this one I actually liked because I thought that they were dead. Uh, so yeah. I was like, because there's a second there where you think they're getting away. They're just they're gonna get away. Yeah. Uh, then the, you you hit the roadblock, and I was like, thank Christ, because like this can't continue, right? Thank God I'm going to listen to the entire Freebird solo yeah. for the next seven minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Watch this car move in slow motion. Watch Sid Haig get shot 19 times mm-hmm. in the face. 
Yeah. So that Any is... Any other notes on that one, buddy? The Devil's Reject. No, I think that's it for me. All right. Yeah. All right, so what's next? Do we want to talk about Ken Foray at all? <laughs> Before we leave. We're going to talk about him more, but I, I love his character uh, in this. He plays like a pimp, essentially, like a brothel owner. He's like the Al Swearingen of wherever the fuck this is. <laughs> <laughs> Al Swearingen, uh, for those that are unfamiliar, is the guy from Deadwood who has the deepest, meanest voice of all time and is the most intimidating character ever, pretty much. But, but he runs a brothel in Deadwood. and Yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, Ken Foray in this too, when he's like pretty much blaming his failing business on the working girls. Oh yeah. He's like, you gotta get more crit. And she's like talking about doing the princess Leia thing. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no, if we do that, we'll get freaks in here. Yeah. Those (laughs) sci-fi freaks. (laughs) Also the chicken fucking scene. What the fuck? This is Rob Zombie to a T. It's like, you have to throw these weird what could just be a guy buying a chicken for whatever the fuck reason, but no, you have to make it super depraved. Also, if you want to cut the head off, you still, oh my God. Also, <laughs> if you're looking to cut scenes to make your movie yeah, a little shorter, yeah. that's Maybe one that, that could go. Yeah. <laughs> that seems super well acted though, because like the dude who's talking about like that guy, like picking his nose. And shit, I think that yeah. guy has really fucked a chicken because like his, the way that he they were like, that sir, story uh, we'll buy every face. chicken you have if you just be in this scene real quick. <laughs> because like when they drive away, the look on his face is like, what the fuck's their problem? Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. All right. So that is the devil's reject. So next is. We got, are we here now? We're here, man. We're heading to Haddonfield. Heading to Haddonfield. 2007 Halloween. Described by police as Manson-like in its viciousness, three people brutally murdered and a 10-year-old boy being held in custody. You haven't said a word for 15 years. This summer, Rob Zombie. All right, so this was my number three. This was your number two? Yes. Yeah. No new... Storyline necessarily here. No. This is the story we have known and loved since 1978. But uh, a little added. Yeah, there's some additional storyline here. So we've got Michael Myers. He's been committed for 17 years. He's now a grown man, and he escapes the mental institution that he's been housed in and returns to Haddonfield to find his sister Lori. So Jamie, thoughts on this movie? It ranked pretty high for both of us. Yeah. Yeah, it did. I actually thought it might have been number two, um, but just the way things worked out. Um, yeah, we, I, we've, it's well documented how we feel about this movie. Um, so wait, I, you like House of a Thousand Corpses more than this? Yeah. Okay. It, the only reason is I'm gonna uh, cast judgment to you from and the side I, of the I room. feel like a lot of people feel this way. Is like you fucked with a movie that like yeah, is iconic, the, and yeah. you know, it's like you you made an okay, you made a pretty good movie. It's just you know what you're following in the footsteps of, it's just hard to digest at some points. Um, I, I, I'm not knocking the direction he took what he did. He did it. I think he did an admirable job, uh, trying to create this backstory, which I feel like he did a great job of. It just wasn't really my bag. Yeah. So I, I I would say from minute marker, like 27 into this film through the end, I really enjoyed, 
uh, when it got to like the true sort of remake. Uh, because I I, I think I thought the cat the casting was good. Uh, Scott Taylor Compton I thought was good. Malcolm McDowell's great. I I thought Tyler Maine was uh, a good. Uh, Michael Myers. Yeah, you know, he's a big dude. Uh, you know Brad Dourif's in this too. Yeah, he's great. I and, just and love him. The kid that played Michael Myers, uh, Dig. I think his name's he was Dig. Good. Yeah, I thought he did a nice job. He reminds me so much of the kid from the Swedish version of, of Let Me In. Of Let Me In, yeah. yeah, for sure. And Danny Trejo being in this as well. So I, I thought yeah, and the I loved his character. Yeah, I thought the casting was good. I thought it was it was well acted. I mean, dude, it's a good movie. But it, that, it is my qualm with this film most certainly is the backstory at the at the onset, and the mom being um, a stripper, the chaos at home, the shitty stepdad. It's just all super uncomfortable for me. That's the it. sister with the boyfriend who looks like the boyfriend from fucking. Uh, what is that guy? Monster House. That guy is the boyfriend yeah. from Monster House. Yeah. Those teeth were the, purchased. The way that he's like smiling when he's making that fucking lunch meat sandwich. Oh God! Oh, that whole scene when he gets hit with the bat. Oof, dude. The way he so, shakes it. It. So the jarring. only thing I've seen that's that effective is you know the the Texas Chainsaw scene. It's like that. seeing somebody convulse after being hit in the back of the head is just like, Oh, super fucking unsettling quite. But so casting, I thought was good beginning, not into, I think what's great about the Michael Myers saga is not knowing. This is what John Carpenter did not like about it because he's not supposed to have a backstory. You know, you're not supposed to know. Yeah. It's just, he's just an entity that, his character name was the shape. Yeah. And no, exactly. We are now no longer the shape. We are Michael yeah. Myers as a little blonde kid. Who's so I get that. I mean, mom's that's how, a stripper. Yeah. It's like, I think anyone who doesn't love this film, that's probably our main criticism is that. Yeah. But when you get to the true remake portion, I definitely enjoy the friend group. Danielle Harris coming back is great. <clears throat> love it. Yeah. The, uh, Lori's parents in this, like, I wish they were my parents. They're like D Wallace is great. Yeah. So the dad, good, is man, like, he's cool that I, I don't know. I've said this before. I'm just not a huge fan of the way he, he can't let, like, I know that he didn't want Laurie Strode to be a total prude in this one, but we don't need everything to yeah, be over the top. Like yeah. her, I've, I, I just don't like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like that scene when she's in like messing with her mom, you know, yeah. talking about like the hardware vulgar. store. Like, yeah, I just, I hate that. Yeah. Why? Yeah, why? I, it's just it, again. It's one of those things that do you he ever does have any conversation with your parents like that? No, and it's like, do you think Rob did? I don't. A lot of people might have, but Laurie Strode would not. Okay, that's it. <laughs> yeah. No, enough said. Stake in the ground. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, dude, I saw this funny uh, thing. The art department. So, like the kitchen when they come down and like. Uh, when we're talking like the true we're remake talking, portion or the beginning, we're, we're talking the beginning. Okay. Um, so we're talking like when Michael's a kid, William Forsyth in there yeah. talking shit. Yeah. Uh, the kitchen is supposed to look fucking nasty, right? And messy. And uh, the art department came in and like cleaned it all up, like spick and span, like you did with my cast iron skill at that time. Yeah. We're like, Hey, I scrubbed uh, hey, every bud. flavorful bit off your uh, cast iron skillet. Yeah. Uh, so that's what they did. And then Rob Zombie was like, wait, no, this has to look messy and fucked up. And you're like, oh, shit. That's funny. Also, they hired a full-time, this would have been a great job, Leaf Wrangler. Oh, dude. To just like dump leaves and then 
pick them up again when you need them in a new Where spot. Where was this filmed? Was it filmed in California? Uh, yeah, it was filmed in the uh, same place as uh, the original. Uh, I guess this house was like two miles from the original <clears throat> uh, in South Pasadena. And I, I guess the original house just looks too like modern now. Yeah. You know, textured shingles and shit. Yep. Like that's not going to fly. Yeah, man. I, I don't know. Again, the, the, the true remake portion of this, I enjoy. I don't like when they're in the asylum, like when Michael breaks out. Yeah. I think it's pretty tense and it shows, you know, those, he's, are, those are great scenes. He's got that relationship with, with Danny Trejo and it's like, okay, if you're going to off this dude, then like you have no soul. And that's the point. Like you don't have a soul. Yeah. And the masks being in the, uh, in the cell with him kind of cool. Yeah. But that. I think it's the uncut version, actually not the theatrical version where the orderlies are like raping. A- yeah. So I, I get all those. I don't know which is yeah. which. I just know I think that I've it, seen. I think yeah. it is an uncut. And I remember watching this with my stepmom, uh, who who like Halloween. The original Halloween like is our movie together. Like, yeah, that's what we do. Right, every year, multiple times a year. And I remember watching that sequence with her, and she was like, and she's like as tough as they come when yeah. it comes to basically she everything is, in yeah. life. And she was like, "This is fucked." But the kills, uh, the the kills are good in this. I, they're aggressive. I like the the Bob sequence. I think is cool. Yeah, how they. He pays homage to that. That like the they had that was like a nightmare, I guess, with the glasses trying to keep the glasses on the <laughs> on the ghost. Yeah, and the the whole that whole scene with uh, uh, Scout. Yeah, Scout Compton. Taylor Compton. Yeah, yeah. great. I think uh, I think the the scene with Danielle Harris, respectively, in her house is great. Like that that portion, like the evening time in yeah. Haddonfield at night. I think he nails. Just the rest of it's a little bit of a miss for me. Yeah, again, I think it's just a great movie. It was a super high budget. This and Halloween 2 both had um, around a $15 million budget. So those were his, by far his highest budgets, yeah. But I this guess he hated, million. I guess he hated working with the Weinsteins, which I don't blame him. Um, they pretty much had to beg him to come back and make part two. That's great to hear, actually, that yeah. he hated working with them. Yeah, and I don't know if these interviews were before or after, you know, but it's like... He's just, he says now, like, fucking hated working with them. Yeah. Man, that would be actually really awesome if, if we read back and it was, like, in 2007. Well, because they were like, big-time no, meddlers, you know? Yeah. Fucking meddled. Even Kevin Williamson says, like, they just meddled. Yeah. No, like, you know, fucking cursed is fucked because of them. Like, <laughs> yeah. fuck them. Yeah, fuck them, indeed. All right, man. Where are we heading next? Okay. Haddonfield, so, Illinois. We did. A second time. We're going right back. Yeah. Lock the place up tight. I don't want any surprises till I get there in the morning. Six guys left one stiff. That's one for the books. <laughs> Help. I'm trapped. haven't been able to produce a body. Do you think Michael's alive or dead? Will he kill again? Let me make things clear. 
Michael Myers. Halloween 2. Laurie Strode is struggling to come to terms with Michael's return, obviously, but even before she realizes he returns, she's already in a really bad, severe mental state. And uh, Michael, he's got one aim in mind. That aim is, one, making sure he wears his hoodie, his big black hoodie, and two, is that he's going to get out of Sister Lori again. And three is to make sure he grunts loud as fuck every kill. All right, so where did this rank for you? This was both of our number five. Which seems low or seems like not that seven high, movies though. but it's much higher than I expected. All right. So he did not grunt in the first one, right? There's no grunts in that first no. one. Why is he grunting in this one? Let's just grunt. It, I don't know. I, it just doesn't, it seems out of place. It's, I don't even mind it. It just seems out of place because he doesn't do it in the first one. That, and those are the sounds I honest to God, when I was pulling those bushes out in my front yard, like, I feel like he just took the <laughs> yeah. audio from me out Ugh. there, like, Fuck. oh, God. Yeah. Nah. Oh, man. When he's uh, the nurse, I can't think of her name right now, the one who played Ma. Um, when he kills the nurse, she, like, is called to the emergency room, and then she comes out. Octavia Spencer. Exactly. Nurse, nurse Daniels. Yes. That, oh, dude, I think that's the first time you hear him grunting, and it's just like, holy fuck. That, by the way, when we were talking about Halloween feels, this movie, I think, captures the Halloween spirit almost better than the first one. 100%. I almost like this movie just as much, if not more, than Halloween. This was my, dare I say, white horse through this whole experience because... In my mind, I was like, this is going to be my least favorite yes. without one fucking doubt. Like, this movie's so dumb. Did you find, because I feel like I overrepresented the white horse in my mind. I well, thought there was more of it. I thought it. I did too. Yeah. And then when I put it on and it was like, white horse, noun, or whatever the Starts fuck. Starts off like, oh, with the, here we the go. white horse white definition. Horse. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's how I felt. I, dude, I was in the same boat. I was like, oh, diving here right back into the white go. horse. Yeah. And then I, I was pleasantly, I was talking to our buddy Zach Klein about this. Yes. He was like, Hey, yeah, the first 20 minutes of that movie are really intense. And it, it's like the first super intense. The beginning's good. Her, I I feel like the hospital, he fucking nailed that hospital scene. And, uh, uh, what's his name? Much better buddy? than Halloween kills buddy. The night watchman dude. Yeah. Uh, Richard uh, real. I think his name is love him. Dude, he's, he was the guy from office space, right? Yeah. Was he? Yeah, the jump to conclusions, Matt. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I loved his character. I loved how sweet he was. And yeah. And then almost, uh, you remember the movie Penny Dreadful, which we talk yes. about all the time. <clears throat> I feel like Lori looks like the girl from Penny oh. Dreadful in that hmm. very beginning. And when With she wakes up on? from her dream and she's like looking in the mirror and she's got the scar on her head, oh, she's that, like, I'm yeah. all fucked up. So, yeah, I mean, and the other person who we talk very highly about all the time, Brad Dorif does an amazing job in this movie, I think. Yeah. And his relationship with Daniel Harris, when he keeps calling and he's like talking to her saying like, she's like, yeah, I know you love me. Like leave it the fuck alone. And, and she and Lori being like, is it gluten free? Is it whole wheat? Like that whole like familial dynamic. It's, it's almost a level of sincerity and comfort that you've not seen in any zombie film yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's not explored that territory of comfort and family. Oh no, yeah. And it's like, always disturbing shit. Yeah. yeah. So I loved, I loved seeing that. And yeah, as the viewer, especially after watching like 
four films prior to this, I was like, well, we all know this is going to get stripped away in a very dramatic and disgusting way. Yeah. And it does, but like the fact that it was present, I thought was kind of cool. I loved that dynamic. Um, and I also loved the town in yeah, this dude, one. The, the whole vibe dude, of this one. Like that, I'm a big sucker for like hot movies like High Fidelity and um, it's that movie we fucking love with the record store. I love record stores and movies. Empire Records? Yes. Uh, yeah. The most obvious. Uh, but I I love the, and so I love this record store that she works at. It's just like, get me the fuck in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're always just blasting music at free will. Like, How do you feel about the dancing. party that they go to? That's kind of like So that's Halloween. supposed to be part yeah. five. Yeah. yeah. The, yep. the um, barn. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It could be better. It's, it's, yeah, it's fine. Again, in the van. I don't, uh, my He's problem. He's like, I got to piss. And she's like, what, what if I don't like a golden shower? Uh, it's just like, why even put that in there? So you, you and I, we've alluded to this, uh, just amongst ourselves. And I'm like, no, we have to save this conversation for the podcast. Uh, but the ambulance scene. In the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Just those two, Richard Brake and the other dude, Charlie from Deadwood, uh, both just chatting about necrophilia, essentially just uncomfortable shit that we don't need. Doesn't need to be interjected. Right. I think that's like where you and I fall. It doesn't need to at all. It just doesn't need to be there. It makes everyone uncomfortable and it's to add uncomfortableness. I feel like so he achieves his goal. Good work. Yeah. Also, Richard Brake is just one of those scene (laughs) stealing guys, man. He just his teeth and everything. Just like he's a feel like he would be a great uncle to have in your life. Yeah. That guy's fucking great, man. He is great. But yeah, uh, Margot Kidder being in this movie, Brad Dourif, Octavia Spencer. I, I think he Just nails great. the casting. Yeah, it's so good. The and casting is great. Yeah. When your budget is that, I guess you can do whatever you want. Yeah. You could do whatever you want. And I think the first one was classified as a success, right? Dude. Yeah. Not necessarily. For no, us, absolutely. But. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think I liked this movie more going into it non-Halloween time um, because I kind of watched it just as a horror movie instead of like and trying to fit it into my normal Halloween routine when it feels forced. This just like I watched it on its own and I kind of enjoyed it. I was fucking stunned. The fact that this hit us end of July, early August, which is our time where we're like kind of getting a little itchy for Halloween yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I had... This was last weekend I watched this, and I think my kids were at your house, or my parents. Someone had the kids, and I woke up that morning, and I put this on, and I'm watching it. I had a pumpkin candle going, and I was like, I feel like pretty good about this happening right now. Yeah, And I think, inversely, the beginning of the first Halloween is worse than the end for me. Whereas on in this one, I really like it's the opposite. beginning and then like the end. The ending less. is horrible on this one. Yeah. And then the the very, very ending being like the uh kind of Norman Bates. Yeah. There's no way that's not a Mm-mm. psycho reference. No. The ending just the reveal yeah. did not do it for me. Yeah, very upsetting. Very upsetting. And that's when the white horse is at its whitest and horsiest. So <laughs> Yeah. All right, so are we done here or are we still? I think we're done here. 
Let's head on to our unanimous favorites from 2012. Jamie, which film is that? The Lords of Salem. I think it's just Lords of Salem. Uh, it's the Lords of Salem. Okay, yeah. Are you the new tenant? I just saw the tenant like 10 minutes ago standing in the doorway. Oh, I hate to break it to you, but there is no person in number five. You have to understand that there is a war waging in heaven. The Lord's. All right, so this one, Jason Blum, I don't know if he personally came, but Blumhouse Studios went to Rob Zombie, said, hey, listen, we'll give you one and a half million dollars to make whatever you want. You have full creative vision. Uh, We'll just give you whatever money you need. And uh, they set it in the perfect fucking place. The setting on this movie, man. Yeah, dude. The ambiance, the Salem, Massachusetts vibe. It just, it's all there. So let's let's go through this, though. Yeah. House of a Thousand Corpses, first film, $7 million budget. Uh, Devil's Rejects, $7 million. Yep. Halloween, we said what, $15 million? 15. These are all, you know, estimated. Estimated. Halloween 2 was probably even more. I think it was the same, 15. Yeah. Okay, so 7, 7, 15, 15. Then <laughs> his fifth film, they say you got one and a half. Well, what year did Lords of Salem come out? So this is after, I think after like 08, everything kind of fucking changed. 2012. The money yep. that was being allotted. Yeah. Yep. It was 2012. Uh, but yeah, dude. So I, I, I'm with you on uh, setting. Yeah. Scene, theme, Nails place. It. So good. Uh, I remember we watched this in Chicago, right? We when did. When we were living there. And I remember loving the vibe at first, loving the setting. And then just not liking the movie. Uh, clearly, both both of our tastes have changed drastically since watching this movie. Uh, but yeah. I I really fucking enjoy this movie now. Um, I I I like the story more once you like understand what's going on. You know what's going on. Um, yeah, let's let's it all hit starts this, to make more sense. Yeah. Hit the story a little bit here. Yep. So, <clears throat> um, our main character's name is Heidi. Heidi. So she's a radio DJ and she's, she receives a gift at her radio place. And she's got this great uh, relationship going on with uh, Ken Foray, right? And Jeff Daniel Phillips, who's obviously in love with her. She's not in love with him. And it's that, yeah, there's, there's like, they have a relationship that's not, the standard one, I guess it's, it's a complicated one. So it's, it's the three of them as like the tandem. So there are these radio hosts. They've got basically this like Howard Stern esque kind of like uh radio show where they're hitting like fart Dude, buttons. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. 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 Kind of <laughs> 93, three, the douche. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. <laughs> so they're on this show, but, uh, they bring on a bunch of guests and they bring on, I think he's like, he's not necessarily a demonologist, but he's, it's uh, the 
character of, uh, I think his name's Francis something, uh, but Bruce Bruce Davison plays him. Oh, okay, so you're not talking about the the gothy guy. No, no, no. You're no, going no. right to Bruce. Yeah, I love Bruce Davidson in this. Yeah, he's really, really good. Like he does an amazing job. So in this. love him in that movie. What's that movie that we love from last year? The one with the old lady. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, whatever. Sorry, let's yeah. go off track. Yeah. All right. So, but the the gift she receives that comes from the lords, it's a uh, it's this very like the sound of the. It's this vinyl that she plays, and it's just this. But it's this, presented in this box. Like if Waxwork sold that, I would spend like two hundred dollars. It, it looks like the Necronomicon yeah. in a vinyl box, pretty yeah. much. But it triggers flashbacks <clears throat> to of, all the ladies in Salem. Yeah, yeah. The the violent past of the town, pretty much. So you're stuck in this thing of of wondering, like, is Heidi like is she insane, or are you know are the witches back? Like, what's happening here? And the relationships are so quiet and subtle in this film. So, so Heidi, I, and I think this is Sherry Moon Zombie's best performance. Yeah, out totally of everything. Agree. Yeah, because it's very subdued, and I feel like it's very her. And Rob Zombie wrote this as an, a book before it was a movie, so he spent a lot of time with these characters. And it's funny that you mention your stepmom because I was actually thinking your stepmom reminds me sort of of Heidi in this, uh, where it's like very strong, independent. Uh, up to do things, but also when you're ready to go home, just, it's time to go I'm going home. Yeah. yeah. But so she's got D Wallace as like her landlord sort of downstairs. Who's got this like micro witch coven. Uh, and these, these are ladies. Yeah. Meg Foster to too. Yeah. 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 I love that trio. Yeah. They're, that if you put them up against the, uh, Sanderson sisters, like this, oh my this God. group yeah, is no, those are the running, running house. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Rob you, Zombie meets Disney. Who's gonna win? <laughs> yeah. Rob. But the 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 song is so tense, and I love the simplicity of it, and the the sound oh, design on God. this film is fucking great. Yeah, and I love the the whole kind of like Rosemary's Baby apartment vibe concept that's happening with the the neighbors that you feel like you trust but you don't trust yeah and yeah. the setting the vibe sure and i love the fact that they tackled witches as part of part of this whole thing yeah right? i mean it makes perfect sense right salem and yeah uh the witch trials and all that shit which that goes off to so heidi it turns out is a uh, long lost offspring of uh, uh whatever the guy's fucking name was hawthorne joseph hawthorne i yep. think yep. um so he's the guy in charge of like burning the witches at the stake back in the 1700s or whatever the fuck and they put a curse on uh, his offspring is going to give birth to Satan. And uh, the curse is kind of on all the towns. Any woman who lives in Salem or is from Salem, I guess. <clears throat> yep. So uh, I I love, like you said, the relationships are, are amazing. I love her apartment. Like her apartment is fucking oh, dude. so cool. Just so much character. Um, all the settings of all the scenes of her walking the dog and like, just like that little path from like her apartment to work or wherever she's going AA or, you know, wherever it is, it just seems like the town square is like where I want to be at all times. I think it's a uh, NA she's going to, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Narcotics. Yeah. Narcotics. Um, because she clearly likes some heavy drugs. Um, but yeah, the radio station, it's absurd. <laughs> uh, 
honk honk. Just craziness. So this was a flop uh, at the yeah. box office. Yeah. And I, I think we've talked before about... It makes sense. ...whether or not the budget that's quoted on IMDb includes marketing. Yeah. I think it was uh, our buddy Derek Munger from uh, multiple episodes back that did an indie film. I think he said it does include it, but uh, the budget for this was fifth, what, you know, one point five million. Yeah, and it grossed one point one million. Well, so yeah, it was a. Well, I like it uh, again. I like it so much more now than I did. So, oh, dude, number one for me. Yeah, for sure. Man, I just love that this movie has a lot of charm. That I just missed on that first time. And it's so much more subdued. It doesn't have that talking about using really nasty language just yeah, for the no, sake it, of it using it. It doesn't really have that. Bruce Davidson is so good in this. It's just my favorite. Like, I love even the scenes with him and his wife. Like, in the... Yeah, dude. Him having her play the song on the piano. Just like... I would love to be reason, friends with that couple. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you give me, like, a sitcom of, like, just, like, <laughs> them, like, a weekly show, I'm in. Re- reoccurring uh fam- yeah, like like the hijinks that he has at the museum you know yeah dude because he's great. like a curator right yeah so this gets a 5.1 on imdb halloween 2 gets a 4.8 yeah halloween gets a 6 devil's rejects gets a 6.7 and house of a thousand corpses gets a 6 so this is Lower there's, on the totem pole for the general public. There's one we're going to talk about that's going to get lower. <laughs> yeah. Let's head there. <laughs> All right. So, Lords of Salem, thank you for your service. Love this film. Two thumbs up on Lords of Salem, right? Yeah. This we're Of up. of all the Rob Zombie films, I would say I, I actually love this movie. And yeah. I'll, I'll probably buy this. Yeah. So good. It really is fucking great. All right. So, moving on. Next is... I'm sorry. One second. I just had a thought. Was it Matt Ryan Tobin that said he like took his girlfriend on their first date? Because she was like, yeah, I like scary movies. And he was like, all right, let's go see Lords of Salem. And she <laughs> fucking hated it. I think it was him. We'll have to ask him. Yeah. So, we're, we're having Maddie back on the show in October. Not to spoil anything, but... Yeah, way to go. Speaking of October... <laughs> The next film we're going to talk about is a film called 31. 31. From 2016. Now you may think you see a grease-painted reformer sitting before you, but trust me, I'm not here to brighten your dismal day. I am here to end your miserable life. You know, all in all, you've had a pretty good run. Deep down inside, you must have known. You digging what you see, Pops? Reckon I do. <laughs> it all had to end somewhere. All right, so this is, I think, widely regarded as his worst film. I mean, this is Battle Royale divided by five. Yeah. So uh, the, the night before Halloween, a group of carnies gets kidnapped by uh, some creepy clowns that call themselves the Heads. And uh, they play this weird game where they put them in sort of a underground, I don't know, factory setting? I'm not really quite sure the function of that environment Some other sort than of secluded trapping people to kill them. <laughs> yeah, with. like it clearly has some sort of purpose. So, uh, so this is a period piece that takes place uh, in 1976. And uh, they meet a creepy woman at the gas station who... Don't tell people your fucking business. 
She asks if they're hunters, if they have guns. He's like, no, we have just have a shotgun that doesn't even work. Yeah. You know, so they know that they're not armed, uh, which pretty much sets them up for uh, death. Yeah. So this creepy secret society uh, of older people that wear powdered wigs apparently run this event (laughs) every Halloween the night before. And uh, they drop these people in the middle of this setting. Uh, They wake up and they're in this game that they don't realize. And it's called 31. They have 12 hours to survive uh, an onslaught of creepy characters that come to kill them that just really aren't very good at their jobs. They're really good at talking shit, but they're not very skilled at killing. It seems. Yeah. And for, Characters that supposedly do this on an annual basis, yeah, they are not very good at their no. jobs. It's like, how many times have you done this? Because you're awful at it. Yeah. Malcolm McDowell is, I mean, we've got everyone back. Richard Brake, Jeff Daniel Phillips, Sherry Moon Zombie. So this, the band is back together again in, in this iteration. But I, I think there are some new newer characters that are introduced. Um, Kevin Jackson. I think he he's he does a nice job in this movie, uh, the African American dude. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, as well as uh, Lawrence Hilton Jacobs, he's good in this. And I, I don't know if I've seen him in other stuff, but Jane Carr is Sister Serpent. She's the one of the powdered wig ladies, mm. and she does an amazing job in being hateable. And it's one of those things. It's like having a really detestable principal in a in a, in a high school film setting that you look yeah. at and you're like, oh yeah, I just I can't stand even looking at that person and what they represent. She does a, a good job of doing that. Yeah. And this movie, it's really dark. Yeah. It's not, there's no like fun the to this. Is dark too. It's, uh, it kind of feels like saw. I, I know I keep yeah. comparing this to other films, it's but it does. Pornish. Yeah. yeah. It's like saw meets battle Royale where you've got to be the last one standing kind of thing. There are a lot of different iterations of these kinds of films, so this, I guess, is his, yeah, nothing his play new. at this. But, but I like the way they present each uh, killer, killer clown or whatever. They all have, like, uh, so there, there's sick head, psycho and schizo head, sex head and death head, and then uh, finally doom head. Doom head, Richard Brake, is the most terrifying. The badass, yeah. Because the, the film starts with him, right? He's the yeah, first. Yeah, that monologue that he does, yeah. Which... Is terrifying. It is. And he's ripped too. He's that guy. Like he's one of those guys who's just like the, like he's so intense when he's acting, you know, you yeah, feel it. He's British as well. And he, he is just a, a good actor. So where did you rank this movie? Uh, I had a pretty high number four, four for you. Yeah. This was six yeah, for four. me. Yeah. I wasn't into it as was much. Was this the first time you've seen it? Yes. Okay. This is the first I watched. So this, this was movie. like my fourth or fifth time watching it. And okay. I think that that softens it up. It's become another Halloween staple for me. If it's streaming, you know, I'm not going to go out of my way. I don't own it, but it just has that Halloween feel for me now. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I find it to be entertaining, if nothing else. You know. Number one for you. <laughs> All right. So number four for you. Number six for me. I I don't think there's a ton. There's no There's complexity really. in in terms of storyline or character development really in this no. film. Yeah. It's a survival thing. A lot of people die. Uh pretty much everybody. I don't think it's and a it's very really good gross. movie. I just think it's an entertaining. You know, it, it does those two things don't have to be 
mutually yep. exclusive. Um, I would have liked some sort of backstory on what this society is and why do they do yeah. this? Yep. Where do they come from? Yeah, you don't get it here. No. All right, you want to go to the last movie? Wait, real quick, the showdown at the end. What do you think happened there? Because I had read that, like, so he pulls out the two knives. I had read that he offers her one. That's what he's doing there. I and didn't think anything of it after. Yeah. I was like, okay, it's over. Excellent. I'm going to move on to the next yeah. one. <laughs> I, I, again, I hate when the, when the characters don't escape. So, like, I yeah. was like, oh, no. All right. I don't think he offered her one. I think he stabbed <laughs> her in the neck with her. both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's a All right. What's next, buddy? All right. So, we're to the last of the Rob Zombie films. Three from Hell from 2019. The search for the fugitives known as the Devil's Rejects resulted in a violent clash with police. Chances for survival are less than a million to one. There's no justice in this world. I am justice. They're trying to blame us, but we didn't do it. Free the three. Where did you have this one ranked? Number, last with number me? seven. Yeah. yeah What's last. your reasoning? Um, because you had Devil's Rejects where? Uh, three. Okay, so this, if you liked Devil's Rejects enough to have it three, why is this one dead last? Okay, so Danny Trejo's character was not very prominent in Devil's Rejects. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of like a a little bit of a comic relief almost. Yeah. So the whole precipice of this film is a redemption story for him being killed basically. Yeah. And the fact that any of them are alive is annoying in the first place. Totally. I know it's like the Michael Myers thing, but they all have personalities, which is annoying. Yeah. Sherry moon zombie has devolved into this like a Heath Ledger version of the Joker who like just yeah. is acting way more insane than she did in the, the prior films. Right. And I think the illusion is like, yeah, prison did, did this to her, I guess. I don't know if that's what's supposed to be the case, but her acting that way. in this is annoying to me. Uh, the fact that they get out of prison at all is stupid. The fact that after they get out of prison, the first thing they do is not say, great, we're out of prison. It's, we're going to go to the warden's house and use him as a bargaining chip. Like it's just. And the fact that, that you know, you're going to die. So you go there, you let her out, you go home and you die. Like you knew this was going to fucking happen. And then they, don't, they escaped to Mexico to have a showdown with a uh, marauding mask wearing. Like it's, it's absurd. The end of this movie before that, they have another hotel scene, motel scene where, ugh. Oh, with the grape soda. Yeah. Yeah, that was fucked. Mm. But I don't know the thing. So here's my redeeming quality about this film is it came those out in 20- two different. It's two different movies. The Mexico scene, like it in is. my mind, those aren't even the same movie. That, it truly is two different movies. But the the redeeming quality I would say of this film is the fact that this group has become revered essentially because of the media, I think is an interesting thing because it's kind of like 
Yeah, they're basically the real, real housewives. They're anti-heroes, yeah. but we've revered them and we've bolstered them up. And I think your issue, Jamie, with Devil's Rejects was that they were being revered in their shit bags. And this kind of puts some like credence and definition and explanation to that, which yep. makes some sense. So I thought that that was interesting. However, I don't like the way the characters carry themselves. I'm just really not into how unbelievably unrealistic it is. And I'm also not into the end like that last third of this movie is really. So the Mexico. Yeah. I'm out. I feel like that's the best part of the movie for me. Not even that I like it, but it's not them escaping fucking prison in the most (laughs) asinine fucking ways. Yeah. Yeah. And she, when she walks into the bar for the ax throwing thing, yeah, like see shit like that is the fun. Knife, the, knife throwing. I don't want to see D Wallace setting up her to be killed in prison. Like I didn't I just didn't like the that beginning at all. Yeah. And it goes back to like you said, they shouldn't even fucking be here. Stupid. Well, this movie's two hours. Um Ugh. so it's Good an investment God. of time. Dead last. Number seven. <laughs> it belongs there. It's number seven for both of us. Yeah. <laughs> Now, Rob did make, uh, I'll just keep calling him by his first name. Um, he did make a couple, he did the short for Grindhouse, Werewolf Women of the SS. Which was fun. Yeah. Nicholas Cage in there at the end is Fu Manchu. Ridiculous. He said in an interview that he approached Nicholas Cage because they're friends about being the Nazi doctor. And Nicholas Cage was like, uh, no, 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 Rob, I, I can't, I can't be a Nazi. <laughs> And he was like, all right, well, uh, what about playing Fu Manchu? And Nicolas Cage was like, yeah, no, I'm in on that. And he was like, I don't even have a character named Fu Manchu. I'm just going to have to add this fucking thing now. Well, honestly, if you put in, if you introduce any other character in that, it's like, okay, that fits here because there's not any. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, there's no real semblance of ideas. So there were a ton of uh, fake trailers embedded in those um, in that little grind, yeah. grindhouse release, Eli Roth also did one. So yeah, Jamie's alluding to the fact that Rob Zombie had a little contribution to that. So I guess he's buddy with Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez. I would assume. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we did this. Yeah, Honestly, I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun. I'm glad we stepped out of our comfort zone a little bit. Also, like I feel like it changed our mind on Halloween too. Um, and it changed your mind on Lords of Salem. So yeah, I, f- I feel like it achieved its goal for us to dive back in and more specifically you, because I feel like you may have never even watched 31 in your life. I feel like you would have been pleased to go through life, not watching 31 or not watching Halloween two again. <clears throat> so I'm glad you did. I, uh, I'm probably not going to watch 31 again. Yeah. But I will watch Halloween two again and I will definitely not be watching three from hell again. Done. Unless yeah. we are, Going to a Day of the Dead festival. I'm glad I watched it a second time, to be honest, because like I said, if I were to think about the first half of that movie and then the second half of that movie, like three years from now, having never watched it again, I would have thought it was two different (laughs) movies. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we've got some good uh, stuff on the docket for upcoming content. We've got a few different interviews coming up, falls coming up. We're having some repeat uh, guests come back. We mentioned uh, Maddie Tobin coming back, and we also are going to be having... Our buddy Justin Caroline come back for our September letter to fall. Have a great uh, August, end of the summer, and we'll talk to you soon.